Hey guys, welcome to episode 39 of the 1023 Soul Shop Talk podcast. Um, I'm recording this info. If you're watching this, I'm recording this info a little late. I completely forgot to record it um, the day that Justin and I spoke like a week ago. Um, so it's from my cell phone, but it should work. Uh, anyway, today's episode is with uh, Justin Grabe of EcoD Solid Dynamics in North Carolina. Um, I was interested in talking to him um, about his background in NASCAR, which I thought was probably pretty interesting. And um, and I had seen him in the past um, speaking about you know different kinds of uh, uh, coatings and treatments for um, engine parts or specifically seven three parts um, that I wanted to talk to him about. So we we discussed those, um, discussed you know supply chain issues, some EPA drama, some, you know, a few other things. Um, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, feel free to, uh, to like it. Uh, if you're on Apple podcast, if you're on YouTube, please like it. Um, you know, leave us a comment and share it with other people that might be interested because, um, you know, if it's, uh, if we find it useful, which mainly these podcasts are meant to be informational, um, you know, it helps us when you share it and it helps other people when they get to hear it or get to see it. So, um, this is a video podcast. Uh, it'll be on YouTube uh, with a full video. It was a Zoom call, so not the greatest quality, but uh, it's better than nothing. Um, also, you can find it on all the audio platforms if you're watching on YouTube. Appreciate you guys listening. Here's a conversation with Justin Grabe. I appreciate you joining me. Um, I do want to ask you a couple questions here um, on uh, your past before we talk about 7.3 stuff. And I know a couple of years ago when we had first chatted five, six years ago, um, you had mentioned that you worked in NASCAR. Um, and I don't even remember what it was that you did, but, um, can you run me through what it was you did in NASCAR at that time? Um, at the time, like I said, uh, basically it was a motor, a traveling motor tuner. Um, and then I worked in the engine shop, uh, obviously when we weren't on the road. So, uh, it pretty much was the, the, the company I worked for was they leased engines nationwide and truck and cup and, um, basically I traveled to support the team that leased the motor and then basically paid my salary. So I, uh, pretty much flew on their planes. Uh, you know, it, sometimes commercial, mostly private, obviously, cause just the time frames that we were there, but basically I babysat the motor aside from what we did in the engine shop. Uh, you know, I basically made sure that, you know, most generally most of these motors when they were dressed out, you know, from basically, at the time was carburetor and it went into fuel injection later on, but it was, it was an $85,000 motor from carb to oil pan. Wow. And my job was being paid salary. It was for my bosses. You know, I had to take care of it, you know, basically, the you know, bodyguard. Yeah. The engine bodyguard, you know, and I kept notes, you know, and then I, and actually I, I kind of, you know, turned into a team effort. I kind of, I always start doing over the wall stuff, gassing for the team, you know, and it, it was as long as it didn't conflict with, uh, the engine side of it. And generally if we had an engine issue during the race, you know, I was necessarily, you really won't put gas in it. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, the heart ain't working, but the fluids there, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's basically, I did a lot of overseeing of that. And then the shop that I was at, I mean, they had uh, full blown CNC machines, you name it. I mean, it was, there was a lot of other stuff that went through the door that I can't really talk about. Obviously it's, you know, yeah. it's, you know, pro stock stuff was coming through there, you know, uh, drag racing stuff, you know, and like the, uh, top fuel, uh, I seen some Harley stuff, some nitro stuff. I mean, I'm very fortunate to be in some of these places that I've been working that I got to see some stuff like, Oh yeah, this ain't, uh, of course we didn't see a whole lot of diesel stuff. Yeah. So everybody always gives me a hard time. Why, 
I kind of, well, why did you go get it with diesel? Well, I grew up in the Midwest in Nebraska and I grew up on a farm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of the time, like I said, so obviously, you know, that's where I got my drive from was from my uncle. So going back to the NASCAR thing, it was kind of a dream. And obviously I've been out of it for a while. Uh, you know, it just home time. Uh, I, I was gone a lot. Yeah. I, uh, in 06, when they brought the COT car, which, which obviously a lot of people know they go from the downforce car to the COD, the car of tomorrow. Now they got a gen, uh, I can't even remember what it is now, but they've really changed a lot of the stuff that it used to be when I was in it. And, uh, they've made it really interesting to where, uh, I gave up about 46 weekends in 06, oh, oh, you know, and it was between testing. I was one or two days off a week. Wow. And it was, you know, you got kids, you got family. It's, uh, it's bad enough running a business, but at least I know I'm only about, you know, and a couple miles away versus where I've been all the way on the West coast. Yeah. And, you know, three hour time change, kind of like where you all are at over there. And there was times where I'd get home and the sun was coming up and I'd been at it since seven o'clock West coast time. And whew. it's just too much. It's, it is an overwhelming experience. Job, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I don't regret it. I met a lot of good people. I know that it's helped me the resources into the diesel side of it. Yeah. You know, kind of got with Elderbrock, uh, a couple of people over at Elderbrock, obviously it really didn't kind of populate anything, but there's some things that Elderbrock has produced that I kind of had a little bit to say in it, uh, just because of NASCAR, you know, so I, uh, like on consumer parts or on, uh, on like the Duramax heads. Okay. Excuse me. When those came out, I worked with a couple engineers over there, uh, Kurt hooker, which here recently just passed away, obviously. And a lot of those guys, you know, and things kind of changed over there. I didn't realize that, you know, obviously Elderbrock bought comp, or comp bought Elderbrock. I think it was Elderbrock bought comp. But anyway, that's changed hands now too. So that's all under the same umbrella. And a lot of it's investment companies, you know, that are doing it. But that's how I kind of got some insight on it. I was able to help out on those heads a little bit. You know, obviously I wasn't one of the heavy, heavy hitters. But my main thing on those heads when I worked with one of the engineers over there was that, you know, their main thing was is obviously the hardness of the head. Uh, they had a T7 process of the hardening of the of the heads, but uh, the main thing I was telling them, I said, emphasis uh, that I seen on that is try to get coolant passages closer to the exhaust ports, mm -hmm. and uh, which obviously you know it helps with scavenging effect. You know, you're able to take that coolant, keep it closer to the exhaust ports area if you feasibly possibly can, and leave the head to where you can actually have some infrastructure there to where you can pour it. Because I mean, anything Elderbrock ever made, I mean. I can remember stuff coming into the NASCAR shop and it was an SB2 intake and it was raw. I mean, it had, you couldn't even hardly, you know, stick uh, probably a roll of quarters down in it. It was yeah. that tight, you know, and we'd go in there and see and see the living daylights out of it. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was half inch thick, but anyway, yeah. So that was one of the big things that they improved on, on those Elderbrock heads, those new aluminum heads. Um, and then I tried to kind of, you know, more of the marketing side of it. I, you know, I told them, I says, you know, they, they kind of brought them out as a high end head that was assembled. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Man, these diesel guys will buy it. But I said, you ain't going to get your major masses. I mean, y'all got to make 10,000 or 20 or 50,000 sets, Yeah, you know, make them bare. 
let these guys do their thing. You know, I, I, you know, it's like I told them, I said, y'all send this stuff over to us in the NASCAR shops. It's raw. You know, yeah. a lot of the times we had to run it stuff because it had a part number on it. It was sanctioned by NASCAR. It was approved by NASCAR. I mean, all the hoops that you had to jump through, which I kind of understand that that's just the name of game racing. But anyway, that's, I drug that out a little bit, but that's NASCAR. That's what NASCAR's kind of done for me and work with some different people. Just food for thought. A lot of good people that, you know, they're like, oh, why do you mess with that heavy crap, you know? And and, and a lot of times people, you know, uh, out here don't like to mess with the diesel stuff is because the oil, it uh, it takes integrity out of those chemical solutions in the jet washes. So it weakens it. And obviously when these guys are running, you know, five, six, seven thousand pair dollar pair of heads through it, racing heads through it. Yeah, you know, and they obviously don't have, you know, they got maybe two or three. And then some of the places I've been, I mean, I've seen six uh solvent tanks, you know, I've seen or not solvent tanks, but jet washes, you know, cleaning up, you know, tanks. And then my big thing I loved when I was over there was the ultrasonic cleaner. Oh my gosh. I mean, you could take a set of pistons and they've been six hundred miles on a race car motor, which obviously a lot of times we didn't do that. But you could put them in there, and uh, they looked like brand new when it came back out. Yeah, you know. But it was just diesel. Diesel will obviously get saturated with gas or the diesel solution, and you know your your soot, and it's a tendency to be a lot more aggressive on a chemical solution. So it's kind of a lot of the shops to a certain extent, you know. And like I say, obviously EPA won't get into all that stuff. But yeah, the, the your vats, a lot of your uh, chemical vats are gone because I mean, they just yeah, that's the really the way to go. Uh, aside from ultrasonic cleaner, ultrasonic cleaner, I can't tell you, man. I mean, that was one of the machines that if I ever swing it, that's I'm gonna have an ultrasonic machine because that is like the cat's meow for some of this stuff, yeah. you know. So, so you're saying a lot of the machine shops that are local to you don't they don't want to deal with diesel parts uh, because of in in theory, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't. Yeah, uh, there's probably four or five machine shops. It's just, you kind of got to shop around a little bit. I've got me one guy that I use a lot. You know, I, I do, I do my own work. Uh, no, I don't have half a million dollars worth of equipment, you know? Uh, and that's just a number, obviously, because it depends on what you buy. I mean, you know, you can get up there, you know, automated homes. And I've been to PRI four or five, six times. And, you know, that stuff all looks cool. It's like going to school when you go to, yeah. a wild tech or anything like that, you know, yeah, you got every piece of equipment at your fingertips and it's updated probably every two, three years, but it's also a lease program. It's also, you know, sponsored to them and, you know, yep. it, it ain't cheap. Uh, I think there's days where, you know, <laughs> I'd rather be machining than turning wrenches on some stuff, you know, or running a shop, you know, it's just, it's just, I, I love that stuff, you know, I really do love the machine because you're using a lot more than just your hands and your knuckles and, yeah. you know, putting the combination together, but you know. Yeah. And, and I think manufacturing too, um, machining or manufacturing is, uh, there's a lot less dealing with, um, like, uh, like objective truths from people. So or should I say subjective truths from people? It's like, like, no, it, it's a fact, like I can make this thing and I can, I can reproduce this thing over and over again. Um, and there's no question about that. Whereas if you're working on somebody's vehicle, like diagnostics and stuff can be time consuming and, uh, and dealing with people 
that don't understand the diagnostic process and why there's a big cost associated with it, that can be frustrating too. Um, I think machining would be a lot of fun. Um, one of the problems we saw though, like I was just actually talking to uh, uh, David Gott at uh, DNJ Components um, mm-hmm. last week. It was our podcast last week or two weeks ago. And, um, you know, the, they obviously do a ton of machining and um, their issue is materials at this point. It's like, you know, we yeah. can't machine if we don't have materials. And uh, like that, that, that scares me a little bit for the industry right now is the, um, the lack of parts and um, supply for, uh, for manufacturing that we're seeing. Um, no, I had a question. I don't do that. Na- I don't know. I don't know anything about NASCAR stuff. I've never followed it. Um, You're probably good. It's, it, it's, I call it the Hollywood version of racing, uh, yeah. I guess. And yeah. that's been, it, it, it ain't, I, I've worked with a lot of old school guys that have been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have a lot of credit to, uh, and I drop a name here's Jimmy Finning. And I mean, and he was, he's the type of guy, he was stern, he was hard, but it was one of those things where, you know, he did his job, but, Boy, when when we had an opportunity to play, wow, uh, Jimmy's pretty cool. Yeah. But it's like anything at all. I mean, and you know, when you're messing with some of these sponsors are 15 million a year, man. Yep. You know, and there's on average one team. Well, you know, they're changing some of the rules, but you got engineers and stuff like that. There's 13 people, maybe even more for one team at the racetrack. Well, you know, you get some of these four car teams, you know, like Gibbs and Roush. And, and uh, Penske, and I mean, you know, it's funny. You know, everybody's like, "Well, you know, while you see all this, and it's and it's it's sponsorship. I mean, it's it's TV time. I mean, it's like, dude, it's it's so much cheaper to advertise in NASCAR than it is NFL. Yeah, for a five, ten minute, or or what, even a minute or whatever. Uh, your TV exposure, you know, uh, it, it's a huge market. I mean, to for marketing standpoint, you know, but you know. I can remember hotel rooms, you know, they book them as soon as we checked out of them. But I've seen hotel rooms that on a Saturday or on a Saturday night, you know, which obviously we race on Sunday and then leave as long as it didn't get rained out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's $500, $500, $600 for one night. Yep. For two rooms. They double, triple the cost, which some of our sponsors, you know, but it, it, a lot of times that was a franchise part deal. So obviously the people that own that hotel or manage a hotel, you know, they're going to want to get paid. Yeah. Uh, it's just how it came up. But I mean, you figure, you know, you know, engineer had a room, uh, crew chief had a room to himself. And then you had, you know, six or seven or eight crew guys. So figure eight, there's four rooms. So take that times five. So yep. you got five, six, seven. Holy crap. One team for one day, it was fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars Yeah. For one night. Yeah, I've got to imagine there's a ton of money in NASCAR. Just just money getting thrown everywhere. Yeah. And it's it's I don't regret it by any means. I know it's more <laughs> I'm paying for it now because you know it it was definitely different than when I did top fuel. I did NHRA with Doug Herbert. I did the top fuel side of it. And I look at top fuel and, and a lot of people ask me, you know, why do you compare top fuel to uh diesel? I says, man. I said, that thing's basically running down the racetrack on its own fuel until you shut it off. I said, all the spark plugs are there is for corks to stay, keep the cylinder together. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm getting off on a different beat. But NASCAR, it's like I said, it's it's it was it's it's a lot of good people. Uh, yeah. You know, it's changed a little bit. You know, it's business. It's kind of I, I guess it's instead of you know 
I know the dirt scene is, you know, for NASCAR has really gotten big. I mean, obviously, you know, I think, well, I think this weekend, as a matter of fact, are racing on the dirt up in Bristol, which, you know, I've been to that track and dusty. It's, it's not as quite as banked as, as Daytona or Talladega when you walk up there, but yeah, it's a bowl and it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, it's, there's nothing when it's the race is going on, you can't hear nothing in the infield at all. And obviously infield is not very big anyway. And they yeah. were, you know, Bruton Smith owns that track and they were going to try to do an entry off of the, I think the South or East side of that track where you can drive semis underneath the track, come up into the middle, uh, infield area, wherever they staged at, because we used to have to drive them up over the track. Well, literally the angle of that banking when it coming in there, the back spread axle on one of those 53 foot trailers is two foot off the ground Yeah, until it kind of contours back. But you know, it's, it's pretty wild. It's, you know, Dover, I mean, there's, you know, that's another weird track. I mean, it's kind of scary, you know, but Daytona, I ain't a lot of you. If you don't have momentum to go around that racetrack, you are literally going to fall down the racetrack. I mean, it's, there's no offense, but about it, you know? Yeah. I've never seen any of those tracks, but one of these days I'm going to have to just, I think it'd be something neat to, to just take it. It is. Talladega is pretty much, I guess I look at it this way. Daytona's, you know, it's Sandy beach, you know, uh, Talladega is out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of history there. It's the grassroots more for the Southern version of racing, but Daytona's, you know, uh, it's, it's a vacation, you know, it's like anything at all. It's Florida. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but, uh, you'll have to definitely take it. You know, we've taken rental vans and got an opportunity when we were testing to go drive around there. And man, I'm telling you, I can't imagine going over 190, 200 mile an hour. And when we're in a minivan doing 70 or 80 around that thing, you know, and it was impressive then. And I'm like, man, just can't imagine, you know, another 120 more mile per hour. This is what it would feel like in a race car. It's I'm good. Point. You know, I'd rather go. I'm, I'm a straight line guy. It's just, I did the round and round stuff. Cause it was, you know, something I've always wanted to do, you know? Yep. But, yeah. Do you, do you race now anything or is life pretty much just keeping a shop running and yeah. Yeah. Kind of married to that deal. You know, uh, I don't, and everybody always gives me kind of grief about it. Why I don't have one. And I shouldn't say grief. It's just, uh, it's, it's time, so time and money. It, it's, and then it's just the two. I mean, well, I got, like I said, my kids are involved in 4-H and then my son's in, in the you know, gun safety shooting and stuff like that. So I, between the shop and the kids, uh, you know, the hot rod and the drag stuff, I, I'll, I'll go help somebody else, you know, <laughs> or let me build something and, you know, let me see you guys, you know, win the trophies and, you know, it, it's, I get more satisfaction out of that. I think when I build something and, you know, it's like when I used to do paint body back when I got out of high school, you know, just doing that during high school and after high school, it was just final product was more of an appeal to me than having it to play on my own. Cause I know how it is to work on your own stuff. It yeah. usually don't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. They use them sitting there. We've had a, a race truck, six four truck. We've been building for what three years now. Nowhere near done. It's probably going to be years before it's ever done. It, never know. Um, so let's talk about seven three parts. Um, okay. I know that I've seen um, a lot of the uh, and like, like a lot of the groups and stuff that you have a lot of insight when it comes to the actual hard parts, the components, like the internals of the engines, which is something I don't deal with um, at all. Um, 
So I know that um, you've spoken to like like cryo treating the um, the rocker arms. I think that um, mm-hmm. do you do coatings on rocker arms too, or I did the coatings. Um, mainly, uh, mainly a reason why I do the coatings is uh, I've learned the hard way on this too. Um, we uh, my first go around with it is uh, I coated the part first. Excuse me, and then I took it over to have it coated coding guy did not like me uh he had to blast that thing twice just to get it to etch because it's a phosphorus coating it's a phosphorus protectant and it's kind of more of a it's a heat barrier uh you know with the coating and stuff like that but it was just i couldn't get any adhesion uh because it obviously you know cryoing changes the grain structure of the metal um there's places and to a certain extent where you you know i've cryoed set of seven three rods forged rods can you kind of measure what it can handle? Uh, I think you can and you can't, but I, I really can't, you know, uh, when a forged rod comes out, but basically, you know, when it comes out of a forging, obviously, you know, like the seven, three stuff, it's pretty much a stamped steel eighth inch thick or, you know, a uh, piece of steel that they stamp. And then, you know, there you have it. Well, you know, that metal could, would, you know, I've noticed with some things and I learned this from drag racing that, you know, we used to always try to get our clutches through the top fuel. We tried to get them in October, November, December because of where they were made at. And uh, Bella Bonifanti was, uh, I think it was up in Ohio. And uh, it changed how that disc handled. So I guess I go back to the kind of the hot and cold and it's no different than anything that, you know, heat wise. But if the metal had been, you know, made... <laughs> in the hottest summer at 100 degree in a forging process or even a mill or whatever and then they stamp it you know it you could get a batch of 150,000 of those things and it'd been made in december and it'd be different than it would be made in july which that's kind of the nature depending on the grade of the, you know i've never really actually went and checked and seen what the rocker arms are actually quality metal wise or what kind of brand they are you know hardness wise whatever i have never done that yeah uh, but going back in and crowd them. What I learned is like I say, I had to coat them first and then I cried. And that's when, you know, and obviously I talked to my crowd guy and he'd been, like I said, he'd been doing a long time. Um, and, uh, he, he says to a certain mill thickness, which obviously, you know, the more it's like painting a car, the more you put on it, the more chance you're going to get popping adhesion removal, you know, letting go. So long story short, uh, that's what, he just said, as long as it ain't too thick, I can squeeze it. And I just start laughing. He calls it squeezing it, you know, and I'm like, it's kind of funny, <laughs> but it's, it's a pretty cool process. I mean, obviously it looks like a, you know, going to a smoke show at a, at a rock concert, you know, whenever they get done with this, but it was, it's just a lot of, I learned from him is how it cools down, uh, how much time it cools down. He never really gave me the whole rundown on it, uh, but he's, uh, and then how you warm it back up, you know, letting it come back up because, Obviously, if you let it too soon, it's just like, you know, I, I kind of compare it to scuba diving. You know, you know, does it get the diver where you get the bubbles, air bubbles? Yeah. It can cause the stuff to be brittle. I mean, it, it literally will kill the fatigue. It's just like I say, you're, you're, you're like you said, he's squeezing it so tight. And it's just how you release it. You know, it's like any piece of metal. You bend it one way. It's never going to go be back to bent the other way or correct, yeah. you know, like it used to be. So, so the, the benefit of cryo treating is, is hardening. It changes. Yes. It's, 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 it's a hardening of it, but it changes the integrity of the metal. Uh, basically 
if there was a weak point in it, like I was going back to the hot and cold parts of the season when this stuff is made or how it was made in the foraging or, you know, mill or whatever, yeah. this kind of curves, is it a hundred percent? No. Uh, and I guarantee it anything mechanical, which, you know, to a certain extent is never hundred percent, even aluminum can be that way, you know, stainless type, you know, tungsten type, all that stuff. I mean, it's just getting to different metals, but different applications, right. but it changes the structure of it and it makes it, takes a weak link out of it if there's any in it, you know, because obviously when they stamp it, you know, because they're really not treating those, they're not heat treating those rockers is what I found out. Okay. And then what is the point of, of the coating The you said the phosphorus coating that you're. It's actually, you'd be surprised and everybody always asks, you know, about that, you know, why do you charge extra for that or whatever? And I said, I always tell them, I says, well, why do you shop being a block? Why do you shop being rods? It actually when you do it, it takes some of the stress riser out of that part. So they have to media blast or blast it, then coat it, and then squeeze it. So what it is, is just one extra step that's already getting paid for in the process, if that makes any sense. Okay. So, um, Now, coatings on pistons, too. That's another thing that um, sure. I've seen a lot of debate about. Um, and uh, mainly from people who don't know anything about it at all. So... I know that you, um, you offered it to, I think you sell pistons that are, um, that are coated. You can have them coated or treated. Um, and what are the different types of coatings that people use? And like, what do you use, um, on let's say seven, three pistons? Uh, it's a polymer, obviously heat barrier coating and I'll have to, and I, <laughs> I should have been ready for this question because I can't remember the whole technical term and I apologize. My memory, I, I, I use polydyne coatings down in texas i know other folks have got it and it's it's basically cerakote it, it comes down to ingredient cerakote and i can't say that everybody doesn't do it different you know i know you see i see some finishes different than other guys and stuff like that but it's more of a polymer uh you know where the skirt's more of like a phosphorus it's an order anti-friction uh it's but the polymer on the top of the pistons is more of a heat barrier obviously you're able to keep heat soaking from going in the piston you're actually going to create less uh parasitic drag you know, and it, and it also, you know, just like anything at all, uh, it don't cause it to expand back into the rings. Obviously, your biggest, you know, you get into ring tension and stuff like that. And I go back to some of the NASCAR stuff. Obviously, you look at diesel rings and you look at NASCAR center rings and it's like, holy crap, you yeah. know. But your piston's about, you know, two, three hundred grams lighter, too. You know, there's there's a lot of different, you know, it's just like the old David and Goliath, you know, with, the, you know, sling and a rock. Yeah. And, a, you know. It, you, you spin it fast enough, it's going to stretch. But when everything comes to a stop, what's going to come back faster? You know, something that's going to hurt, that's heavier, it's going to, you know what I mean? That's the reason why a lot of times I see, you know, how rods break in half. It's basic principle. I mean, you just, you're fatiguing it so much. you got so much going out there. And then when you want to yank it back the other way or something, you know, pre-detonation, you know, which obviously diesels run on pre-detonation versus gas. But yeah. that's basically, you know, a lot of it's just a friction, uh, more of a phosphorus on the coating film. Uh, you see a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the manufacturers now are starting to put it on. You got you got called silk screen. I call it silk screen uh, ceramic coating. That's what it is. It's a break-in, uh, almost guaranteed to a certain extent. It's going to be gone in five, ten thousand miles. Uh, that's where I've learned from working with Carl over at Polydyne, you know, you know, not trying to plug him or like that. It's just he, he, 
he's got it robotically figured out how to talk like that. You know, I mean, he can tell you everything right down to the T because he's done everything. He's done military. Uh, you know, he's done uh, big thing was is oil. Yeah, oil, uh, you know, obviously Alaska's got oil in it too. You guys got it up there. But it was, you know, him and out of Houston, you know, like say oil rigs. I mean, some of that stuff when they service that stuff, it was to replace the part, you know, it's six million dollars. Yeah. And that was like every six to eight months they were having to have that part replaced. Well, Carl came in there with some of his coatings and stuff like that. They got a, a year out of it. Well, <laughs> six million in six months versus six million in a year, we both know who's making money now. You know, it, it's it's common sense. So that's where a lot of times I I, I and the only thing I found with diesels and a lot of guys, and I know it's 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 pre-detonation, it's heat, uh, especially your high nozzles, you know, your common rail guys. Um, I don't see the seven three as being I mean seven three's lacking on fuel anyway. Yeah. Uh but that I seen the guys with common rail stuff that they were uh blowing a blowing a pattern in the piston. And can honestly say yes, the coating is somewhat there but you do lose it. Uh, but uh, I think a little bit of it too, <clears throat> you get up over that certain horsepower range and that's like anything parts wise, you know, pieces that it starts losing. I don't care what you put, you know, you put, you know, a thousand horsepower and 2000 foot pounds of torque. Something's, something's going to fatigue. It, it, it's not yeah. going to last forever. Yeah. So that's basically why I, I just push the coating because it helps keep the combustion chamber heat above the piston. Excuse me, obviously de-lipping the piston a little bit. I don't like to take the piston all the way out de-lipped. I've found that there's some, you know, obviously a lot of other guys, there's everybody's got, you know, there's, you know, the the finger in it like they do on the Duramaxes. Uh, bowl, they change in the bowl. You know, a lot of it's just angled injector, but I like to leave a little bit of a lip in there. I think it's usually about 100, 125,000, somewhere in there, maybe a little less than that. And it helps with variation in the bowl. Uh, kind of helps that fuel, but it's not where I've, I've taken them all the way out. And obviously, I mean, aside from putting on the, you know, even on a, an engine dyno would be more accurate to test in the chassis dyno because it's just a parasitic drug and you know, everything you lose comes down, you know, and you know, this is all I do from tuning. I yeah. mean, that's, I can't come, I can't say anymore, you know, how the tuning has improved over the years, but that's where I get, you know, where I think that that's a lot of it, uh, you know, just because I can build you know, almost any kind of combination, but man, at the end of the day, I'm not a tuner, you know, okay. it's no different than I'm not a transmission guy, you know? So I always tell everybody I'll build something to destroy this, you know, so you can make whatever you want to make of it. Now the tuner guys, they got me now I can get a tuner guy and put too much fault with and too much, you know, duty cycle in it. And he'd kill a motor in no time flat, you know, especially if you got the guy that's holding the right foot in the yeah. wrong amount of time. You well, know? and then tuners are like, are like, listen, you, you put, you know, giant injectors and turbo in your truck. I want to build you a hot tune. If it blows up. It's not my fault. You wanted to make the power. <laughs> yeah. Reduce, here's the liability. Compli- you, know, you know, sign off, sign your dotted name here, you know, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought up the, the rod thing too. Cause I, that's every time somebody blows up um, a seven, three, they hook a rod and they're like, it's, it's like never when you're wide open throttle, like everybody, seems it, it happens probably shortly after you went wide open throttle. Um, yep. like I've seen several engines that, uh, you know, they run and find people beat the shit out of them. Uh, and then they go fire it up the next morning and like idling, the thing will hook a rod. Um, 
Yeah. And is that from the, um, the expansion of pushing the piston out and then being, um, sucked back down like the, the pull on the rod that's, that's causing the breakage or. Sometimes in a case like that, it comes from galling. You know, it's it, everything was so hot and expanded and you open up the tolerances and then it wiped itself. And it's kind of weird because it's like, you know, and that's one thing I've learned with coatings on rods and main bearings, you know, like that my pulling motor, which, you know, a lot of people seen that one. And I, I kind of I, I guess I got that's kind of my baby. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the first one I really put a lot of time in. And I had a lot of help from other people that have been doing it for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, I coated everything in that. Uh, rods, mains, cam bearings. Uh, I even got one as far as encoding the intake and exhaust runners, uh, the combustion chamber. So I go into going back to that, you know, it's like I say, you know, with coatings and stuff, you always, what it is, is just, it kind of creates a barrier to where it keeps like, you know, you could take like, you know, you took two pieces of glass and you drop two or three drops of oil on it and put the glass together. And it's just, it's, it's just really smooth. You know, it's got very minimal resistance. So you keep that hydraulic wedge, I call it. So I guess what I'm getting at is like you said, you know, people got to run to beat the crap out of it and they wipe that spot. Well, they've always, it, it's always been warm. So it's expanded. It's, it's properties are at its maximum tolerance. And then when you get up in the morning and it's cool, or, you know, say it's even 80 or 90 degrees out, you know, you went from say a 200 degree motor or, you know, say all temps are 205 or something like that, you know, and your heat soak is in that 205 to 215 range, it's thermal, it's metal thermal after that. I mean, basically dynamics when it comes back down. Yeah, basically you got back to where we were asking about, you know, beat the crap out of something and then you go to start in the morning and it hangs rot, you know. Yeah. That's kind of, I think, where we left off. <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully that doesn't crash again. Um, now, when, how long have you been, uh, like you started the uh, Eco Diesel Dynamics, right? That's, that's your company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like start with the intention of working mainly on diesels? Um, or did you start just to start an automotive shop? Like what, what got you started wanting to run your own shop outside of just wanting to be home more? Like why, why pick that exactly? Uh, basically, like I said, it was 2014 is when I kind of established. And that's kind of what I was starting to see where I was, I, I, I needed to be getting out of NASCAR. So, you know, basically it started out, I, I, I always been around gas stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, you know, between the top fuel and just being around, you know, a lot of more gas stuff, I kind of seen the drive for diesel because we always had diesels on the farm, you know, from farm equipment, whatever, whatnot. I obviously didn't work on a lot of that stuff, but you know, my uncle did a lot of it because most of the time it was, a, it was a healthy drive to get into town. Yeah. If something was messed up on the farm. We just didn't, you know, you, <laughs> you could drive it, you know, hauling it, you know, it costs money. So a lot of stuff, we just had to really improvise, you know, and it's, it wasn't necessarily always a bailing wire in the, in the twine, you know, it was, yeah. you know, we were, we were replacing parts, you know, it was nuts and bolts. So I just looked at diesels, you know, it was kind of a more of out here where I'm at, there's so many, uh, between hot rod shops, yeah, you know, the, the, the gas side of it, there's, there's you know, probably, you know, more than a handful of diesel guys out here by all means. And, you know, I mean, I know McCoy black, I mean, he's, I think about an hour or two hours east of me, you know, and obviously you got Jared Alderson, which he's, I think four or five hours. So he's a pretty good haul. And then you got Rudy's not very far away. You know, there's a few other people that, I mean, I'm just kind of putting some names out there that, you know, really went to the next level yeah. on uh, stuff. But 
I just kind of ran with it. You know, uh, I didn't in the shop. I mean, I work on everything, you know, I mean, <laughs> there, there could be a lawnmower there. Uh, there could be a go-kart there could be, you know, if it's an air pump, I pretty much, you know, I just, but you obviously got to be careful because like anything at all, you get too far away from, you know, it's like, you know, working on just strictly Duramaxes or working strictly on power strokes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just, more of anything, I've just kind of wanted to build a reputation to, you know, try to take care of the customer, you know, uh, you know, and you, you get other people's shop stuff in there and you get, and I know they get some of my stuff and I, I try to be, I tried to use a lot of my NASCAR mentality that, you know, I had to build a motor, you know, basically not build a motor, but put a motor in a team's car. And then we had to nut and bolt it, you know, we nut and bolted after practice and qualifying and it had to last 600 miles. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> something fell off and you didn't finish the race and that race paid, you know, 1.5 million or $2 million or down to 20th place paid 250,000. Guess whose ass is going to get in the lane? Yeah. Me, especially if it's something on the motor. So, you know, aside from something that debris wise or whatever. So I tried to use that mentality on customers, vehicles, you know, and it's not a sales pitch, man. It's just, it's safety. Uh, you know, and I know that honestly the performance side of it, I love building this stuff sometimes for the diesel guys. And I, you know, and obviously it's just a different demographic of maybe where I'm at, but it, it used to be more fun, but obviously with, we're going to go back to the shortages, like you had said about D and J, you know, with their, with their materials, you know, I know these guys out here, I mean, uh, valve springs right now, you know, <laughs> good yeah. luck, uh, especially a good quality. I mean, I, I, obviously I got my kits, and that was just as mostly NASCAR parts, you know, uh, but there's other kits out there that, you know, do be sufficiently working. It's just the you know, DIY stuff on some of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I know that you got to look at, you know, and I guess I'm jumping around a little bit on the motor parts of it, but going to valve springs and stuff like that, you know, looking at that micrometer, you're trying to hold that valve open, make sure that valve don't drop. And obviously, I mean, it's very hard for that valve to kind of drop, but it can. It ain't like doing a gas engine when I do it on a NASCAR, you know, where we supply air to it, you know, and. I mean, there's, you know, what was it? Uh, eight millimeter valve, I think is what we were running on. I mean, it was very small stuff, but I mean, they can just, you know, the O-ring is inside the guy, not on the outside of the guy, uh, you know, so it's just a different atmosphere. You know, I guess I, on my spring stuff, I like to get rid of the valve guide seals that are from the factory. Everybody's like, well, why would you do that? You know, obviously that valve guy sells 60,000, but it ain't that dusty. It's more of a, it's a heat thing. I mean, I look at if you can contain the heat and get it out from underneath that steel umbrella and then just have a you know, positive. The ones I use are off basically a big block Chevrolet. You just got to machine the guy because there's an odd the valve guide on a seven threes, an oddball number. They just, yeah, you know, so that's the reason why I kind of iterate on that. But, you know, it's uh, just a few pieces that, you know, on the shop that's, but I, general maintenance is basically where I hate to say it. I do, you know, aside from doing oil changes and stuff like that, you know, brake jobs, you know, doing trannies, clutches, I can turn and burn that stuff, you know? Well, so, it's really, it's really hard to make money in performance. Like, especially yeah. as a small shop, like, um, there's, there's too many variables. There's too many things that are, like take you know a lot of time. And at the end of the day, like you still have to be able to make money. <laughs> and, um, and you know, there's a, one of the problems that we've seen, and I imagine you probably see it somewhat too, is like, there's a difference, uh, a complete difference in like probably components and, 
uh, and knowledge and the time you're going to put into working with someone who wants to build themselves and just buy parts versus somebody who wants to bring you their truck to, to, uh, to build it. I'm like, that's an issue we've had for a long time is like the things that I might, you know, tell you to buy if you're doing it yourself are probably going to be different than what we would do in the shop. You know, we're not, I'm not, we're not that interested in building a, you know, a 500, 600 horsepower, seven, three, like it's, it's going to be yeah. too expensive for you. Like that's, that's a hobby truck that if that's what you want, that's, that's great. You know, we can help you build it. Um, but like, we're not the shop for you to build it. Like our shop is a repair shop, you know, um, yeah. that dynamic, I think people don't understand a lot too of, um, like it's, it's hard to make money as a repair shop. It's a lot of work and, um, it isn't just as easy as, um, you know, working on everything and having fun, you know, it, it may yeah. be fun, but, yeah. uh, it is well, it's like you said, you know, it's, what do you corner? You got to corner what market? I mean, you know, DNJ comes back more of specialized incumbent stuff. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you look at your portfolio, you know, you try to better yourself in one field. And obviously you have to learn because obviously, I mean, you know, we're still dealing with OAM stuff. I mean, until you, <laughs> you go into the next realm of a billet block and, yeah. you know, all that good stuff because you just changed everything that the engineer did do right. Yeah. You know, so but yeah, when you're still using OEM stuff, I mean, I don't, it, 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 you're going to have failures. So you try to specialize, you know, you know, point in that direction to try to get better at that, fixing the failure points and stuff like that. But also it's like you said, you know, I hate to say it, you got to have those cash cow customers. And I don't like to say that like that, but some of those guys you got to have, because if you don't, you know, you have to have one that you can get in and out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it yeah. would it'll work every time. Yeah. Yeah. And R and D is not cheap. No, <laughs> I've seen it in NASCAR. Oh my gosh. You know, the amount of money that I've seen, it's wasted sometimes. And it's like, you're going to throw that away. And they're like, Oh yeah, we just spent 5,000 or 10,000, just another $20,000 on this little nut and bolt. Yeah. And it didn't work. And I'm like, Hmm. The craziest money that I've ever seen was, um, I spent six years, um, in the oil field yeah. and oh, the, yeah. amount of, the amount of money that drilling companies will spend for, um, I ran the, uh, like logistics for getting stuff out to remote oil fields where everything was flown in on like C one thirties. And, um, we would have times they would charter, you know, like a C one thirty to fly up to Alaska, grab like one piece of pipe, you know, like a, a bit to get a, you know, get a piece of pipe that's stuck, you know, a mile in the ground or whatever. Um, they'd build like a two, one or two, $3 million, $4 million bit just for that job you know, yep. contract a sixty, seventy thousand dollar flight to take it out there and then just throw the bit away when they're done. You know, it's like yep. that blows my mind every time. Yeah. And yeah, and, and uh, I guess I'm going to that level. Yeah, yeah. You don't you you've got me. You see you've seen me. I mean that right there. <laughs> that ain't NASCAR, you know. Yeah. But it's like I say for that it's it's a resource you're pulling from the ground. So I guess the only difference is is that the return of the money that comes back from it is a lot better than I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're Hollywood and, you know, racing and, you know, here we got, you know, the money comes to the and <laughs> it's different. It's like going to the Grammys versus going to, you know, uh, the kids, you know, your local blue, yeah. bluegrass, you know, whatever. I'm just using a number, you know, yeah. you know, um, so do you, I know that you, um, you do have a website, by the way, your website for just like a small shop is really nice. I was impressed. Most small I, websites are awful so yeah i got very lucky i guess and i got you know it, it from one of my customers 
uh, he owns Cox Marketing, and I just, you know, uh, I helped him work on his RV at his office, and we kind of worked out a deal. Uh, yeah. You know, it worked out. I still had to pay for it, obviously, like I said, but dude, he is, Roderick did, he does a lot of stuff. Well, I guess, and it's kind of a small world because like I say, when I was doing machining, when I went down to school of automotive machines down in Houston, Texas, back in uh, 98, 99, good Lord, it's been longer. No, it's 90. Anyway, it's been a while. I know we're 20 years, I think it's since I've been down there. So yeah, uh, I met him possibly. I was working with, uh, through kind of an internship, whatever, uh, racing offshore power boats. And we built motors at school. We had six big block Chevrolets that we built and we put them in a, in a 48 foot by 12 foot skater pickle. You know, she'd do a buck, buck oh five, buck 10 out on the open seas. Like it wasn't nothing, just hauling the mail. So anyway, Roderick was uh, big in with Drambuie on ice, which is a bigger sponsor. I know there was Al Cohn, which is a big accountant from out of uh, uh, LA area. But anyway, Roderick did a lot of uh, marketing for him. And I swear to gosh, dude, I mean, that was 20 some plus years ago. And I swear to goodness, I met him in Florida. I think it was either Sarasota or Fort Myers. I can't remember because I know Sarasota was always, I think it was, no, Fort Myers was more like a Daytona 500 for boat racing. Mm -hmm. And I think I met Roderick at a bar there. So here we are, you know, 20 plus years later. And by all means, you know, uh, I ran into a, he, it was just a customer, he, you know, he got me through word of mouth and he come over and I, you know, he's like, Hey man, can you come to my place? Cause my, you know, it's basically what had happened is he lost the alternator belt. And he said Cummins was charging him to leave from Charlotte, which was about 18 miles to where his RV was. They were charging him per hour or mile, then charge him when they were there. So I was like, yeah, I said, so all we had to do is put an, a new alternator and a serpent or basically saw an alternator and AC belt back on it. Anyway, and I worked on his son's stuff, and uh, that's how my website looks as cool as it does, because yeah. I guarantee you, I did not pay as much as a lot of people think I did. You know? But it's <laughs> just a horse trading. On it. Yeah, he, you know, it's a horse trading and bartering, so it, it turned out really cool, and I know I don't mess with it enough as I need to, and I know I lean on him a little bit, and I know I can't consume him, because he's probably got, I think between, I think it's him and his brother and his sister, I think it was, or for sure it's him and his brother, but Obviously, he does like a lot of bass fishermen people, uh, but they've got, you know, doing the algorithms, seeing how, you know, they network everything, you know, like, you know, the keywords and stuff like that. He had, you know, their team of people uh, put it together. And then that's when he typed all that stuff and how he entered it in and then kind of went off of what I said, you know, just kind of pieced it all together. And honestly, it was like, you're right. Small shop. I've seen them, you know, and I was like, dude, when it came out, I'm like, Roderick, I said, dude, this is way over my pay grade. And he's like, yeah. well, it looks good, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it turned out really cool, dude. Yeah, it did a great job. Um, are you, I know that like in the past, um, you didn't, like, I don't know, originally we met on like Facebook pages and stuff, but uh, are you going to start pushing more towards like trying to do online sales or are you just focusing on the shop? Like, I don't uh, there's a lot of struggles with trying to sell online and run a shop. Like they're very different things. Um, and it's hard, like the issues that I, like I, I left Facebook mainly because it was like, like if I'm going to be present there, then I'm going to deal with the issues of being on Facebook. Like, um, trying, like if you're going to be present for sales, like I think there was just a post the other day about this, um, then you need to be like present for 
questions like, like there's public discourse that's going to happen if you're available there. Um, and, uh, and I just found that to be too hard. It's like, it was a great, you know, great way to like reach a lot of people. There's also a lot of problems that come along with it. Um, so anyway, I was just curious, are you, are you planning on trying to push more into, um, like online sales stuff too, or just mainly work on the shop and do more? It's probably, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'll be 49 this year. So put two and two together. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things to start working smarter, not harder, uh, I guess, you know, so I, uh, don't really care for the turning wrenches as much as I used to. It, It hurts. And then all the years of racing and stuff like that, I, I mean, I got no excuse to. It's just I've, I've, I've worked and partied like a rock star, but obviously I'm not using that as a, you know, as a loose terminology, but it's, it's it hurts. <laughs> you yeah. know, stuff isn't what they used to be. I mean, it, to go and lean over uh, and do a set of injectors on a 7.3, you know, in a record time or whatever you want to call it that I used to be able to, you know, get it out and in pretty yeah. quick. It's, hey, man, you know. Oh, the phone rang, you know, well, I get down for a little bit, you know, yeah. stretch a little bit. So, yeah, I, I, I try to, I really kind of wanted to do that. But obviously, you know, the shop is like anything at all that's overhead, you know, it's like you said, you know, that the, the, I get exactly what you're saying, you know, uh, and as I've gotten older, I guess too, is, you know, I've, and then being a businessman and stuff like that, on owning a shop, it's like, uh, you got to back off a little bit on the Facebook stuff. And I use that term very loosely. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I, it's, it's not what it used to be. And obviously I don't ever see it. And obviously I think a lot of it too, is just with all that's happened in the last two years, you know, like I said, with all the shortages, it's kind of turned it into a free for all. I mean, it's who's yeah. got what in stock, you know, you try to work together as a, you know, trying to get options for people to help each other out. Yeah. I, uh, I've learned to really, you know, it's like I said, you know, when I sent you that message a while back, you know, it was, it, it I, I just, you know, it, I, I, you just can't do business like that, you yeah. know, and I had to change. So it's like, I said, yeah, I want to try to do the more online sales. It's just that for me, I, you know, it's like selling ice to an Eskimo and I know there with you guys are at, it's a little bit more of a terminology, but it's just, I like to try to sell stuff that obviously, you know, and obviously the profit margins that are there, you know, all these costs of everything going up. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at all of it. I mean, if it ain't hurting everybody, I mean, there's something wrong with, you You know, I mean, or obviously, you know, you know, being Elon Musk and trying to, you know, buy Twitter, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I get what billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just changed all, you know, and I think a lot of it, you know, having, you know, and obviously over here, there's so many CNC shops. It's unbelievable. But it's like these guys, you know, it's it's costing money to you know to digitize a part, to scan a part. Then you look at the material costs. You know, how much can you order that you need to have all the material that you need to be cost effective? You know, do you order, you know, fifty sheets of four by eight sheets, or do you get about eight by ten sheets? You know, because you're able to take your part and get more out of an eight by, by ten foot sheet versus the four by eight sheet, but you're going to pay more money for the eight by ten because of the transportation. You know, so you you're balancing all that out. But yeah, I, I guess more of anything is. I don't want to look at trying to push a bunch of stuff that's already been out there. I mean, obviously, you know, I try to push more of the services, you know, like the rockers and stuff like that. At the end of the day, sometimes that, you know, that piece that it, you know, because those costs have went up too. You know, the coding costs have went up. I think he's raised me eight or 10%, you know, because he's told me, you know, even if I took over a hundred sets of those things and, and obviously, you know, I'm still working with an OEM part. 
I mean, and everybody's like, well, can you get new, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but I said, you're going to buy the whole assembly, you know? And I think it was 28 or $30 for a whole assembly rocker. I'm just using a number. I can't remember exactly. And it might've went up by the time I go through my coding process and do all that stuff. Yeah. A person's going to have six, $700 on a set of rockers or more, you right. know? So, you know, as it, it comes down to, I call money physics, you know, <laughs> it yeah. don't weigh out, you know? You're, yeah. And you're what, not gonna want it. what are you most interested in like going forward? Like, obviously, like you say, you're getting older and you're like wanting to get into things that aren't quite as physical. Um, so is it, is it like manufacturing and machining? Is that what you're most, most interested in? Like just, I would like to, you know, uh, if the thing is, is obviously some of that equipment, you know, uh, it goes with a cost. So, you know, it's working with some other people, you know, uh, I've really, want to look at like i said i know jared's worked on it uh i've met wayne jessel out here wayne's a good guy uh, he's got a little toy shop not very far from where i live but uh you know there's an options there for rocker ratios you know it's like i look at it you know some of the cam profiles that are on these cams you know i, I guess going back to that you know a little bit for battle train stuff i mean <laughs> By all means, if we ever make a four uh, a four valve head or you know for a seven three, you know, yeah, but it'll not be a Huey injector. I can tell you that, you know. know. Uh, so that's what that's we call stupid. <laughs> and I look at a seven three as a four sixty big block. That's all it really is. You know, it's just a big valve, got big big runners, and got crappy exhaust runners. You know, so. We can get air in, but we got to get air out. It's just a balance, but that's that's kind of yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, still move some parts that are readily available from your manufacturers. You know, I mean, that's just it, it's kind of not really being the survival of the fittest, but it's just more of, I guess, it's just I like to work with more people. You know, which there's some other people that I've tried to get with, and you know, I, I learned that on the Brock deal. You know, uh, I had to sign a confidentiality clause, and all that stuff, and. I mean, my, and I guess I didn't want any royalties off of it. All I asked out of the deal really is I just wanted to be a dealer, you know, and have an opportunity to not have to do the buy-ins because I know the buy-ins, you know, I know what that is. It's, it's, it's business sense side of it to, you know, show the sincerity of it, you know, how, you know, <laughs> are you going to order two or are you going to order 2000, you know? So, you know, and then, you know, getting proprietary stuff on that, stuff like that, you know, I, I probably, a little late on a lot of that stuff because I know there's guys out there a whole lot better. You know, I mean, look at Jesse Warren. You know, I'm using you know some examples. I mean, you know, that takes a lot of money to go build a billet block. Oh yeah, for a six zero, but he had to do something. So yeah. for me, it's intriguing. It's something to learn from. You know, and it's like I say, you know, the diesel industry has really expanded in the last, I'd say, the last five years. I'd say I should say maybe a little longer, but I mean, the last five years has really, really changed. You know, and but I also look at it too. I mean, and you know this. And we don't know where this EPA crap's going. And I don't like to touch on this stuff, but everybody has, it's. Yeah. There's a, we've, we've been under EPA enforcement action for over a year now. Um, and I mean, all I can say at this point is, uh, I don't have a whole lot of like bright hopes for the future (laughs) of like aftermarket automotive. I really don't. Um, it's uh it's a shame. It's uh, it's cross spectrum, but it ain't it ain't just diesel. 
I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't understand, you know, we'll get into that a little bit. And obviously we could be here all night talking about that, but, uh, it's pretty sad when more, you know, I look at it to a certain extent, you know, I'm not against electric and EV. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a new, new world. It's no different than, you know, having new tuning. It's no different than having new laptop, new, new, you know, cell phone, but it's got a growing pains it's going to have, but I just don't like the push. I see. Well, we're just we're just not ready yet. Like the infrastructure just no. isn't there. The technology isn't there. Like we can't yeah. just force a shift. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I, 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 if if I was a rich man, I'd love to have a Tesla. I think they're cool, but you know, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the the push is way too hard right now, um, and it's shoving you know an entire like you know multi multi billion dollar industry like right into the ground. Um, yeah between, between manufacturing issues and the EPA, like, uh, I think there's going to be, um, a pretty big hurt on, especially, uh, larger shops, I think more than anything. Um, the the small guys that, you know, one or two man crews that just can keep up with the stuff around them. I think they'll probably be all right, but, um, like mid-sized shops, you know, 15, 20, 30 people that need to support that. Um, I mean, it's expensive, like shop space and tools and equipment is really expensive. So I don't know. I'm curious to see what the future holds. Um, I certainly, yeah. part of me wants to put my brakes on, on any amount of growth we might try to pursue because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it is, it, 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 it's leaving you with some, uh, I guess it's no different than, you know, the whole epidemic, you know, epidemic and, you know, some of that stuff. And, and it's like, it just, I don't plan on growing any more than I am. I yeah. can tell you that right now. I mean, it's just because, you know, for the age that I'm at, uh, and I shouldn't use that as a loose term, but you know, my kids, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I've taken risks to get where I'm at and expenditures and, you know, lost, you know, lost money in the meantime and, you know, had, you know, bad deals on credit cards. And if nobody's in the business of selling stuff on the internet or even whatever, yeah, if you had a hit like that, that hurts, you yeah. know, want to literally, you know, I, I had one incident where I just basically, I just, I threatened the guy and I'm like, he's like, you know, of course my wife's over telling me, she's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, he's got to file a police report. So I don't care. They're going to find out. And I mean, she's like, what if you go to jail? I says, you got bail money. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I was just, I was livid, dude. You know, I mean, it's like, I, I've never tried to see that taking and stealing from somebody, especially in a case like that. You know, that's just ruthless. You know, I've, I've seen vehicles come in the shop and you see some of these used car lots and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's some, and that's what everybody always asks me. So, oh, you know, you can always use with these used car lots. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. You know, love them to death that they sell trucks that give me something to work on because, yeah. you know, some of the platform and their platform for their, you know, budget plan on vehicles. Cause I'm OCD. I mean, it, it comes out like, they, you know, my name's on the valve cover. I, I guess I always use that term, you know, because the name's on the valve cover. There's a reason for it, you know, it's, you know, but it's just like you said, I mean, you, you don't know what the future is with this EV stuff. And like I said, I mean, you know, I think diesels are more efficient. I think that, you know, the carbon footprint, you know, I get the whole, you know, the smoke thing that's outdated, man. That's, 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 that's 10, 20 year old stuff. I mean, yeah. I grew up on a farm and that's what we had. I mean, we used to have a 50, 20, you know, all wheat tractor version to pull a, a eight bottom plow out there and 
you know, it was the coolest thing in the world, you know, at that night, you know, this yep. is back in the early eighties, mid eighties, we were running propane yeah. and that old, you know, it had a six inch stack on it and there'd be an eight inch candle sticking out of top of it. And you can shut the lights off on the tractor and pretty much, yeah. you know, I mean, everything was glowing, you know, so it was always pretty cool there. You know, that's just some of the memories, you know, a farm, but I guess it's just been in, you know, been in the my blood for that you know if you can get a kick out of that watching something like that it's just a tractor it only goes you know maybe 25 30 mile an hour max and it's yeah. out there in the field that's got a six inch candle out of a six inch stack that's impressive you know yeah so but anyway i'm it, it's, it's you're right dusty i mean it's yeah i'm pushing, mostly pushing more probably you know to look at more website stuff because you know i do i see well, i mean my son's what 11 going on 12 and my daughter's five going or so on six so you know, what do I leave them? I probably don't see that, you know, uh, I could and I couldn't, you know, like I said, I keep telling myself, you know, I'll be 65, 66 when my daughter's 20, 21 years old. Yeah. That's I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> you know, So it's more of just, I try to, I want to gain more food for thought, I guess, you know, as you know, I've always looked at it, I'm not dead yet. And I'm always want to learn something new, you know, yeah. It's just anymore. It's like anything at all. I mean, with everything, the industry's changed in the shortfalls and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people have gotten a lot more discreet, got a lot more secure. You know, they don't want to give up stuff, you know, and I get it. I mean, it's, it's business, man. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's stealing from somebody else, you know, and it's not so much just stealing from somebody else. It's just, it's business, you know, so it's survival of the fittest. And it's like you said, you know, the bigger shops are going to, you're right. I mean, having a big overhead, you know, paying paying employee taxes and sales tax and the federal, and state, and all that. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, it's that's a wake up call in itself. And anybody that don't understand that, listening in, and you know, and you know, you don't know what's behind the scenes sometimes. And a lot of people don't see that, you know, and then get tunnel vision, you know, and then you can go and get on, you know, Facebook. And I'm sorry, you set terms so loosely, but that's just how I look at Facebook, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cause I can remember when I, my space was out when I was going in high school. So, you know, but it's just, it's tough. I mean, especially right now, cause it's, it's survival of the fittest to a certain level. I mean, you know, and if anybody that's bigger than me or anybody shop, you know, it's, you know, if you're not worried about it to a certain extent, it, you know, money don't grow on trees and it can be gone tomorrow. Believe me. Yep. I, I hate to say that. And obviously a lot of people know that from EPA. You know, I mean, they come in, it's a free for all. Got to give it up, baby. You know, and then of course, when they leave, they're like, well, what do you do now? Oh, business as usual. I'm like, man, <laughs> I hate that term. Everybody, you know, a couple of people always rub that into me. Why do you say that? I'm like, man, because it chaps my butt. Yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah. My, uh, my internal joke is, uh, I'm, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And that's just whenever I want to laugh. <laughs> That right there is a decoy in itself. I didn't even hunt right there. That's like, you got a bullseye on your back, boys. Yep. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I know it's getting super late over there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll hit you up after this too, because I do want to talk about some of the stuff that you, uh, that you offer and see if maybe there's something we can offer that you, uh, we can offer some of the stuff that you sell too.